Hi, Greg. It's been a while. It has been. It's good to hear your voice. Yeah, it's been a while for the podcast and also because I just never see you anymore. I know. We've both been, I think, both been very busy and also just distracted. But we're here and I'm glad. Yeah. Excited to catch up. I mean, I'll pretend that I am I am very busy. I would say I have been wasting a lot of time, but you could say I'm busy wasting time. <laughs> no, well, I can't make the same claim. I have been very busy doing things I wish I wasn't, uh, but we'll put that to the side because we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about fun things. Okay, you're in charge. All right, well, then let's, uh, let's jump right into follow-up. Yeah. So we have a couple things on the dock. Uh, and I think, you know, it's been so long since we recorded the last episode because that was, I don't know what that was. I edited it in December, but I think we probably recorded it in like August. Yeah. 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 Lots has happened in our lives. But at the same I time, I... yeah, not, not as much as one might expect for six months. <laughs> a fair amount has happened. Yeah, yeah, that's true. It was actually a little jarring when I looked back at the last things we discussed on the podcast. Um there have been quite some there have been some big developments. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's do it. So, the the first thing we want to come back to is Apple Arcade. So, at the time of the podcast, I think we both had Apple Arcade or you had tried it and I hadn't yet, maybe. Because I remember you talking about what the golf. Um, yes. Which I I indeed did try. So, after we did our pod, I tried a couple of the games you mentioned. Um, what the golf and there was another one. I think I downloaded Exit the Gungeon, but never actually got to it. Okay. But I had Apple Arcade for maybe three months, and then I canceled. Maybe a little more, actually. I think I canceled in November. And I thought pretty seriously about it, but eventually I realized that I was playing the games literally, like, one time every two weeks. And while $5 a month isn't very much, I much more enjoy purchasing a game and this is not true on iPad, but like purchasing a game on a computer or a console and playing it end to end. I think you get so much enjoyment out of this, like finishing of a huge number of missions and stuff. Um, in fact, just, just, uh, last week I went back and played some of the downloadable content for the Witcher and that game just provides infinite hours of enjoyment. Um, so yeah, for me, Apple arcade was, was very cool. And if I had, I think if circumstances were somewhat different, if I were on airplanes a lot, or even if I just traveled a lot, it would make a lot of sense. But I spend a huge amount of my time around my apartment, or at least in Cincinnati, and so I have access to the hardware that I want to play games on. Yeah. Yeah. So how yeah. how long did you make it? Did you just do the free trial, or did you go I longer? did just do the free trial, and I made the decision that I wasn't going to use it enough to yeah. go past the free trial. I did really enjoy a handful of the games. What the Golf, I think, was definitely the standout to me of yeah. like really uh, pushing at, uh, mobile gaming into a new space that seems really promising. If there can be more games like What the Golf, I think that Apple Arcade will be a very compelling uh, library for some people. But I'm in the same situation as you. Is that I just am not traveling that often. I'm uh, pretty much always able to access my either my consoles or my Mac to play a game. So just doesn't fit my needs. But if there's another game that comes around that is getting rave reviews or friends have told me about it, I wouldn't hesitate to subscribe for a couple months to play it. Yeah, that is the nice thing about that structure. A couple months is just not very expensive. Uh, right. You can finish the whole game in that time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I did I play can, the coloring book. I, d- I forgot to mention. Oh, yeah. I did. Yeah. I don't remember the name of the app Tint. or the yeah. game. 
But it was fun. It was really yeah. enjoyable. And it was a game where the progression was was quite gradual, where I felt like, oh, this is so easy. So, yeah. And then eventually I hit a level where I was like, oh, wait, this actually, I need to slow down because this is harder than I realized. But it was a really great game. I, I was glad that you recommended it. Yeah, I feel the same way. It like really abruptly begins getting challenging. I mm-hmm. got very stuck near the end of the first the first like set of levels. And then I think they only had 20 or 40 and then once you finished those you had to wait till they pushed more. But the second time they pushed out levels, they were really hard. Like I got stuck really fast. So, good for them, but I will yeah. not be playing it for a while. Yeah. Puzzle games are like that with me where I I'll get really i will i can i get hooked into them but eventually if they get too hard and i get stuck for too long on a level i just fall out so it's a bit of a curse for them right yeah obviously it can't be too easy but if you make it too difficult i'm leaving (laughs) for me i'm trying to pull this up on my phone but the boom mic is that what you call these where you have a mic on an arm yep uh it blocks my face for face id so i have to (laughs) type in my password like a peasant like this is the 1200s um i wanted to see what this other game was because i've never actually deleted the games off my phone uh mini motorways i will say other than what the golf that was my second favorite game and it took me a while to get into it but mini motorways you you like connect uh houses and factories together with roads and all you really do is build roads you you sometimes build bridges and and like uh overpasses but the whole game is essentially just building roads and it is deeply satisfying you just play until traffic gets so bad that you have failed as a city builder there are more and more houses and factories pop up and that was the most like that was the game i got the most mileage out of too because what the golf you finish it and then it's like well i could play like a couple more times through some of these levels but at some point it's not very novel but this game you could like play a single run through for like an hour before you died so that was a big hit Okay, that sounds interesting. So, that's what so it's like an optimization game. To is it? Are you are you always it's, laying the road? Or are you like building things that can build roads? No, you're just laying the road. That's it. Gotcha. It reminds me. So I never played it, but it reminds me of what Roller Coaster Tycoon looked like to me, where you like could fail at some points and you kept running the park until you failed, and that's how this is. But the game is conceptually so simple, which is nice yeah sounds interesting well when i resubscribe at some point i'll have to check it out you'll have to let us know if that happens <laughs> all right but that's that's my whole update on apple arcade i no longer have it maybe i will someday but yeah not i think that's the verdict for that's the verdict from us is it's good but so it just doesn't suit our needs. Yeah. oh yeah one other thing i want to mention though is so i really like that you can share it with family sharing so yes. I finally got my parents set up on an on a, a family sharing plan with me. And so we share iCloud space, which made iCloud space cheaper and also just made it a little bit easier to pay for. Um, and we can also share apps. And I have the hardest time getting my parents to pay for an app. I think the whole time they've had phones, they've never paid a single dollar for an app. And it's especially frustrating because I know there's certain apps that would be of huge benefit to them. It's like, I don't know. You would spend $5 on a thing you saw in a store that might be useful, even if you weren't sure. So it seems worthwhile to try it on an app. But Apple Arcade, I tried to pitch them on because they get it for free. When I had it, this was true. They would get it for free. And I don't think they ever tried anything. So mm, that's it wasn't worth it. But it seems like $5 for three people to play games was going to be great. And yes, it did yeah. not work out. I am a big fan of the sharing, the family sharing through the Apple ecosystem. My wife and I are on a sharing plan. I will say, though, we're already getting into a tangent here. I'm not a fan of how the App Store presents information to the different 
individuals in the family. So I have purchased a number of apps that I wanted Mary, my wife, to have access to. And it was Do, one, the one that I was yeah. pointing out to her. I said, you should go down download Do. I think that would solve this problem that you're facing. And she went to the app store and just typed in Do, and it presented her with the normal, like, $7 app. Oh, I had this screen. problem, too. Yeah. I had this problem, too, yeah, trying you to have get my to mom go to download like, a recipe in, app. Yeah. Yes. You have to go through the user's downloaded apps, which, like, shows everything you've ever downloaded, which is not useful. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just not great. Like, a great – they should – I don't know if like that's their intention, if that's Apple's intention to I don't know trick families into buying apps more than once. I'm not sure. I don't but think you it's can. It's really though. unintuitive. So I wonder if if Mary were to actually click on that, like would that download? I don't know. Yeah, I wasn't going to risk it. Didn't want to lose my seven dollars. But it was just really odd. I was like, I don't know where you should go then. So I I, I had to turn to the Google and figure out where to go and it's like not you have to go through a bunch of different menus and it's (sighs) just yeah it's a bit of a mess i had the same problem where i was telling my mom about this recipe app that i will talk about later in the episode um and i was like no it's so great you will really enjoy this it fits the way that you would want to use an app and it's just it's just well made it does everything right it helps keep your grocery list and she went and looked at it it was five dollars and i was like well you know i already bought it so you should get it for free but in the worst case scenario here, you will be out $5. <laughs> Just press the button. And of course you refused. So, so then we have did, you, did you assist? Oh, okay. So, well, there's the, the, the solve is, well, it's probably going to be that you need to get access to your mother's I phone. I and then do this for her. <laughs> I'm aware. Yeah. So you'll have to go through a, a bunch of screens. It'll be confusing. You'll, and eventually you'll figure it out. At least I know. Yeah. <laughs> So then nice. that, I, we'll, we'll jump into my follow-up. It'll, I'll be brief, yeah. but in the last episode when we recorded all those months ago, I was pretty adamant that I wouldn't upgrade my phone and that I was going to stick with the <laughs> That's iPhone true. 8. And I have, I have actually. I have actually upgraded to an iPhone 11. However, the, the, the reason why is that it was a promotional in which if I return, turned in my phone, I would get a free iPhone 11. And at that point... Well, that wasn't an option when we recorded our last episode. So um, with that with that deal, I couldn't pass it up. So I now have an iPhone 11. It's fine. It's good. I enjoy it. Um, yeah. Face ID is pretty good. Like it's not I, – I thought I would miss the touch ID. I don't. Uh, the size took a little getting used to, but I've adjusted. And I, I really like it. I'm glad to have it. Yeah. That's good. You've, you've moved into the future, Greg. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. I do, however, get – uh, I don't know if I would say criticism, but questioning from from you and others like you who say, "Why didn't you go with the Pro? Why didn't you go with the Max?" <laughs> no, I don't think that I've pushed too hard on stuff. <laughs> you haven't pushed too hard. No, no, no. Maybe, maybe you could just tell. Maybe you could just read. Yeah. read you could, I could hear it in your voice, like <laughs> that you were disappointed in my choice. But yeah, I just went with the standard <laughs> iPhone 11, and the reason why is because it was free, and the Pro and the Pro Max would not have been. So that is admittedly that a pretty strong reason. Me. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, well, welcome. Yeah, that's you, my you now have the most important feature of iOS and emojis. Oh, yeah. Every day. All the time. No, I don't yeah. even think I've even set that up. Actually, I don't even know how that works. Yeah. My girlfriend still has a iPhone 8, I think. Some, some kind of primitive technology from the 1960s. <laughs> and is unable to send an emojis. And so I sent one and she was confused. She was like, that actually looks like you. And I was like, no, it 
literally is me. That's what these are. <laughs> That's funny. So yeah, I haven't set that up. Future. I don't even know how to do that. To be honest, I am about. I'm I'm approaching the age of thirty, and I'm starting to feel like the age of thirty <laughs> in terms of technology. <laughs> I don't know how the new features work. I don't know how to access them. I find those, the UI to be unintuitive and difficult. So What's funny I, is both of us, despite being big tech nerds, are in spirit pretty old people. Yes. It's only a matter of time until our curmudgeonliness <laughs> extends to the technology. It's true. I think actually it's part a little bit of a double-edged sword too if you're a little if you're into tech and you like yeah, that you're more on the power user end. You'll find the settings and or like the the UI to just be cumbersome. Like I don't understand why you set it up like this. Like yeah, um. So that's a good point. Yeah, I think I've, it's gotten worse over time. I was thinking about that, um, and maybe maybe this is a topic for another day. But at a high level, I was just thinking about how the more attached you get to one platform, so I feel I feel really good on a computer. The harder yes. it is to really get used to things like ipad and iphone and i think there will be even more of that in the future so like this generation seems really good at ipads what will be their challenge something will be like that but i just can never get used to the fact that i don't have escape keys and a terminal and like all these metaphors that i'm really accustomed to on the desktop yep yep i feel the same way and whatever challenges the next generation we are going to be completely lost we will not be able to approach it at all yeah very worried okay yeah. All right. Well, putting that to the side, let's jump into our topics. We got some interesting things yeah, we to discuss. Got a lot. So let's let's start with the most recent one: the Iowa caucus meltdown. So you you oh, put yeah. this in here. What do you want to talk about? So I just thought that we couldn't pass up discussing an intersection of technology and politics since they're both big interests of ours. So yeah, um, I thought we'd just throw it on here. I read a few articles and I've listened to the radio as over the past week and just heard the stories and. Um, yeah, I think it's just a really, really interesting story of, I think it's, I think it speaks to non-tech people, general people who probably have this idea in their mind of how easy it might be to set up an app, how to, how easy it might be to set up technology because what they use day to day feels so easy and intuitive. Um, but what they fail to realize is that hundreds, if not thousands of people, uh, work on those apps, um, and do spend uh, a significant amount of time and resources ensuring that they're great, and yeah. that's clearly not what happened here in Iowa. Yeah, there. I did read the the Verge breakdown of this, and I, I didn't read that much else. And the Verge specifically blamed the app. I think that it seems like problems are are more widespread than just the app. It was like a bad yeah. system. The uh, the Democratic Party did not seem to have like a good understanding of how to set this thing up, yep. but. One of the points they made was like what the party paid for the app was a ridiculously low number. And I can't yes. remember if it was 10,000 or like 70,000, but it was like way, it was definitely under 100,000. Yes. And that what I saw reported was money. 60k. What I saw 60K. reported okay. was 60k. And yes, that's nowhere near enough money. Yeah. Not even close. And the thing that people miss here is like there's an order of magnitude difference between building building a program that runs on everyone's phone or on everyone's tablet, like even if it's a million people and then building a web service that can take traffic from those people. So here in this case, you need everybody to be able to submit something to this single server. I mean, it's, it probably is in the end more than one server, but the logistics of setting something like that up require usually something like a load balancer, which means that if like a million people hit the server at the same time, you need to find ways to route them to different places and spread out that load. And these are like really hard tech problems and they tend to be 
I don't know. They tend to require a lot of developer experience. And this is not a thing I could do, even though I fiddle with tech all the time. I couldn't come anywhere near this. And I couldn't even tell you conceptually, like, how this stuff works. But it just seems like, I hate to say this, but I do feel that it represents the arrogance around uh technology and it's not just technology but a lot of like science and engineering fields that people in like politics and some peripheral fields have as if these are just like things that get done in the economy it's like well these are really complicated things and you can't just pretend that they work fine no you're completely right uh it is it does show a a lot to me it shows a bit of arrogance and night and naiveness from the dnc thinking they could spend this little amount on yeah. What I saw reported was a company of about, I don't know, less than 10 people, um, maybe yeah. less than five developers total. Uh, when you consider something like an app that, you know, that millions of people interact with, there are so many specialized units within that application that work on it, right? You have a team that's working on the back end that, you know, customers are unaware of. They're load balancing, managing servers, keeping things up to date. And then you have a, you know, just you have a set of people who are building documentation, trainings. You have another set of people that are working on the UI and design. Like they're just in yeah, it there. It should be a large team. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that was not the case. I also say that you're you are completely right too. That it is not an only a tech issue. It's not just this application though. The application is, you know, laughably bad, uh, just in its execution. What the DNC thought they could pull off, um, but. The, the articles, I read a Vox article and a few other ones that just mentioned a number of issues in more than beyond, more than just the app, but things like their hotline to call in the caucus yeah. results was hijacked for, uh, base, was hijacked basically by, I guess, Trump supporters is, is what appears to have happened. So they jammed up the phone line so people couldn't get through, people would be waiting for hours to try to report these results. Mm. The application's down, you can't call in, like, uh, there's also just issues around just how different pieces of information will be recorded and tracked um, between the app or in paper. Um, and, and what's actually really interesting is that it appears that the DNC, the head of the DNC in Iowa, wants to do a re-canvas. So they, that, what that looks like is you basically get all the paper, um, the paper that was used to record this, this uh, the caucus, and you count it by hand, Right. Um, however, they cannot actually conduct a re-canvassing until a uh, candidate requests so. So I'm not sure there are going to be any candidates that, that bite. It almost appears like in this election cycle, the Iowa caucus is sort of being written off. Like it's there's yeah. a lot of conspiracy theories abounding about what happened and why and if it was coordinated or not. Um, and if multiple candidates have claimed victory. Uh, so I, yeah, yeah I'm not a clown show. Yes. Well, I mean, part of the problem, caucuses are complicated, but part of the problem is that there's multiple ways to claim victory, where you can either claim popular vote victory or state delegate state delegate equivalents. And I don't totally understand the delegate equivalents, but it does look like Buttigieg has been ahead in the delegate equivalents until within like the last few hours. So as we record this, this is what uh, Thursday evening. And uh, I think Sanders caught Buttigieg or came very close in delegate equivalents and is way ahead in the popular vote. But we still don't know how it will end because no. we don't know what the precincts remaining will what uh, what way they'll swing. Right. So, yeah, it's a big disaster. Yeah, it does not. It does not at all, I think, uh, give any confidence to to those looking towards the Democratic Party for leadership. 
Yeah, especially because um, it's supposed to be like a modern progressive party, and it appears to have no idea how to handle the like it's stuff that would be the <laughs> epitome of modernity. Yeah. Yes. No, you're completely right. Not so, inspiring. And I think too, there's probably a broader discussion to have about like what role technology should play in elections. And I'm of the opinion that we should keep it simple, like pen and paper. Like let's not overcomplicate this. Let's let's limit the amount of vulnerabilities in the system. Um, I mean, obviously that's not perfect either, but there, some of the reporting is, is suggesting that there is potentially a a hack that maybe occurred on this application, right? And you're probably never going to really know we aren't, and maybe I'm not sure those inside the company will ever know if that occurred. Um, but I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Well, I I think I, I will say my naive opinion um, especially like coming out of college was that everything should be electronic and there's no reason to have any physical goods. And while mostly I have not backed off that stance, and I still think things like <laughs> physical paper are largely a waste. We do need, from what I have read, we do need highly old fashioned systems in elections. Yeah. And, and the reason is that almost every electronic system reduces to a single point of failure at some point. Mm -hmm. So even if you have these highly distributed ways of counting votes, eventually someone has to read that count and someone has to have a way to audit that count. And that really reduces the points where someone could commit fraud to like these very narrow single points of failure, essentially. Um, And so it's very interesting. There's an XKCD comic that I'll try to remember to post in the show notes. Um, But it's like uh, it shows like experts in all these different fields that are like, oh, we it's physics or something. Oh, we should use physics for more things than biology. We should use biology for more things. And then it goes to computer science and it's like we should absolutely under at no circumstances ever use computers for voting. Um, and the reasons for that are pretty complicated. <laughs> but it's just yeah, it just does seem like a total consensus within the computer community. Yeah. Yeah. I think those that work on software or develop software, yeah, work on develop software, work around technology agree that this is a bad idea i do know what com the com the x the xkdc comic you're referencing i think it's pretty funny and uh clearly relevant uh for this case but yeah i think this ought to be a lesson to the dnc and to our election elections board in general this isn't a good idea let's keep it simple yeah or use the blockchain for everything one or the other toss up Well, if they can't, if they couldn't possibly implement this uh, this application, I I don't have hope for the them implementing blockchain. No, I, the blockchain wouldn't solve these problems either. But I mean, mm-hmm. who knows? Of course, the blockchain can solve anything, as we know. But <laughs> yeah. we'll find out in a few years. Okay, uh, let's see. We got a lot of other topics here. Can we talk about the uh, AirPods Pro briefly? Sure, let's do it. I want to hear. So, I want to hear your. What your reaction yes. is. Let me tell you a story. One of one of the great stories of my life. Um, I went to try out the AirPods Pro, I think the day after they came out. Made a special special trip up to the nearest Apple store. And uh, and I tried them out. And I was like, you know, these are pretty good. These are better than the old ones. Uh, they are... This, this is first impressions. I thought they clearly have pretty good noise cancellation. Like way better than I would have expected for something so small. And the sound quality is quite good. The downside is you can actually feel them in your ears. So with the old AirPods, I would forget for hours at a time that I had AirPods in. And these, you would never forget that. Um, Then I left the store in just a fit of lunacy. I can't even imagine what came over me. I left the store without buying the AirPods Pro. And within hours, I thought, 
what could I possibly have been thinking? I knew <laughs> that I was going to buy these. There's no chance in a million years that I wasn't going to buy these things within the first three days they came out. And so I had to return to the Apple store two days later and over my lunch break and buy them. And, uh, and I just, I just never forgave myself for being so dumb. I thought, why did I not just buy them the first time? Uh, well, it only so costs you an extra are trip to amazing. the Apple store, which is pretty great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I do, I do enjoy, actually, no, I sometimes enjoy my trips to the Apple store, but only when they're infrequent. But anyway, mm. the, the headline summary is they are unbelievably good. They may replace the old AirPods is what I think of as the best piece of Apple hardware that I've ever had. Um, they are so good. I know this sounds ridiculous, but they are so good that if I lost them today and they raised the price by double, I would go to the store tomorrow and buy another pair. They are absurdly good. Like, I could not go without them. The, the, the value is so high. Um, the noise cancellation is fantastic. It's very nearly as good as my over-ear headphones. Uh, the comfort is not as good as the old ones because I'm not sure it's even possible, but I don't really get bothered by them until like two hours into wearing them. And probably only people that listen to podcasts for 14 plus hours a day have this problem. So it falls squarely <laughs> into my wheelhouse, but, uh, two hours at a time is a little much. The battery lasts so long for something with noise canceling. Um, yeah. Sound quality is great. They, they are marginally better on phone calls, too, which is really nice. I don't know. It's just just a win-win-win. Nothing else to be said. Just fantastic hardware. Wow. That's a strong endorsement. I'm still, I'm still with my Gen 2 basic AirPods, and I'm still really satisfied. But I do expect that I'm not quite, I'm not quite in the same camp as you, where I feel the urge to purchase the new tech so, uh, right as it's released, but... I do expect probably within the next year I'll, I will pick up a pair of the pros. But as is custom with me and Apple, I wouldn't be surprised that right after I buy these, they'll come <laughs> yeah. out with the AirPod Pros too. And but you Greg, know, this is why you have again. to buy them immediately. Right, <laughs> it's the only time exactly. there's no chance. <laughs> well, that the, really the, is a thing that I've started thinking about. I was like, I shouldn't buy. So I like thought about buying the PS4 right now and then i was like no why am i doing that like i i know i'll spend more but i would rather just wait until the next console comes out and buy it that's a smart move yeah for sure hopefully definitely agree i definitely agree with that um yeah. well so i'll anyway, let you know when i pick up a pair right. um i look forward to it but yeah everyone i've spoken to that does have them we did get them for my father-in-law for christmas slash birthday situation yeah. and He's a huge fan. He really, really likes them. He didn't have the original AirPods. These are definitely the best headphones he's had by a long, by a long yeah. shot. And they're and he's he's a huge fan. He really likes them. So that's yeah. great. Nice. All right. Cool. Well, let me let me talk about one other new piece of hardware I got. So for Christmas, my parents got me a Nintendo Switch, which I know we briefly chatted about on the last episode. Actually, yes, yeah. it's very exciting. Good. It's very good. Yeah, I so it's interesting because it really forces me to sort of reexamine my gaming habits because I have I have definitely uh, I still have to wait. I have to pause this and th- <laughs> this is such yeah. a Ethan and Greg conversation that the first thing we're going to talk about <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> this new console is how you reexamined. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's how important. You... <laughs> I had to I had to introspect. Yes, yes. Well, no, continue. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I realized I realized that my gaming habits have kind of diverged into two very opposite camps. I play like intense graphics heavy uh, role playing games. So like The Witcher and Far Cry. And I play those on my gaming PC. And then I play 
time killers on my iPhone. And the Switch is the area right between those things. It's highly portable, but still a console. Like, still has games made just for that that are potentially, like, multiplayer and just, like, generally high quality. And so it, it fits in a niche that is right between those two things. And so it's been interesting because it didn't really fit into my workflow, you might say. <laughs> it's hard to find <laughs> hard to find a good workflow for my games. So I have found a few games on it that I really enjoy, but I actually haven't played it a ton, which maybe is good. That's something that I've I've been thinking consciously about, where it's like, well, maybe actually playing it just a few hours a week is kind of the ideal. Um, but I will say I really enjoyed uh, the Pokemon game, which was a total piece of trash in terms of development, really poorly <laughs> made, so disappointing. And yet it still got me because there's just too much nostalgia and I just enjoy those games. Um, I enjoy that and Overcooked and the Goose Game. Those are okay. my three big hits. Nice, nice. So what do you play well, on yours? Yeah, so over over the Christmas holiday, I picked up a couple new games for my Switch. Uh, I picked up Zelda Breath of the Wild, which it, that game really drew me in. Uh, it, it sucked a ton of my my vacation time That's what I hear. up. It was great. Um, I'm a huge fan of it. I, I long to return to it. I've had to put it on the shelf, and I probably won't return to it for a couple more months. But when I do, I'm, I'm, really, I'm really looking forward to it. So there's that. I played uh, the Mario Odyssey game, which is really good. Um, a couple different indie titles, which I'm a big fan of right now. Nintendo's really seen to understand yeah. that there's this uh, large breadth of indie games that they can easily port from PC over to the Switch because of graphics requirements for a lot of these indie games aren't that intense. Um, and the indie ga- the indie publishers are always game, right? Because they get to enter another market. Yeah. Um, so that's been su- that's been awesome. I've been a huge fan of that um, that feature that Nintendo is embracing. And I also picked up Luigi's Mansion, which is a lot of fun as well. I've heard of this. Yeah. Yes. It's a. It's definitely. I would think that one's worth worth waiting till it's on sale. But it's kind of hard because Nintendo Nintendo doesn't often put their games on sale. So that's one thing you'll learn to hate about Nintendo is they'll have three or four year titles still at $60, which can be a little frustrating. Um, But what I really like about Nintendo's IP, like what what is, is that they are so much more creative than most AAA publishers. Most AAA publishers, they go to their bread and butter. Like they make, they make first person shooters, they make action adventures. And it's oftentimes just a, a rehashing of what's already been done. Where isn't it? Whereas Nintendo is not afraid to take their IP and push it to a place that it's never been before, um, and I, I just really appreciate that and I respect that out of out of out of them as publishers. You don't you you will see you don't find that often in in the game. So, like, industry. what's an example of that? Well, uh, so Mario Odyssey I think is a good example of that of where they took this 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 IP that has such cultural weight and so. So it's so uh, cherished by the community, and they were inspired by Mario sixty four, which I'm not sure if you're familiar with. But the what's so novel about Mario sixty four is they took Mario a two D platformer into a three D space, and it was it's a cult it's a it's a cult classic, I guess you could describe in gaming. Uh, people look to that game and say it's one of the best Mario's ever made. So they looked to that for inspiration, and they said, "What could we do?" So they made a Mario three D platformer. And where they push the boundary is that 
in this version, Mario Odyssey, your hat is a living being that you can throw at objects and become. Oh, I have heard of this. Okay. Yes. So you can become a T-Rex. You can become a tree. You can become a Goomba. You can become almost, you can become so many things. There's a huge catalog. Part of the game is finding and becoming everything that you can be in the game and filling out the index. Um, and so if you pitch this on paper, I think most people in Mario fans may have, would, would look at this and be like, what are you even talking about? This sounds insane. This doesn't sound like a good game at all. Um, but it's great and it works. And it's fantastic. And they, they didn't shy away from, um, they didn't, they didn't just decide to pump out another, you know, standard Mario 2D platformer. Or, or even a 3D platformer that just isn't as inventive or, or interesting. So, yeah. Well, and this isn't always true, though, because Luigi's Mansion is the third edition. And in a lot of ways, it is a rehashing of the first two games. But um, even in that, there are, like, creative new elements and redesigns and, and interesting things they do that um, I think when you look at something... Something I don't want to offend you, but something like Assassin's Creed, like you don't see, <laughs> you don't see as much creativity game to game. They'll change the setting, but the actual core gameplay mechanics don't really don't really change very much. Yeah, that is very true, and that's probably true of most franchises. Yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. Nintendo is willing to push the boundaries, and they did so with Zelda. They do it a lot with their <laughs> games. And um, one game I will highly recommend. This just popped in my mind. I got to say it. You should play Tetris Ninety Nine. Yeah, on Switch. Yes. Tetris For does sure. not sound like my kind of game. That's interesting. You don't think so? I think you would like... So it is a Battle Royale Tetris game. So when you load in, you'll load into a match of 100 others, 99 other people, and you compete to see who can win. And you attack oh, each other when you, com- when, you complete, when you complete pieces, lines of the Tetris. Uh, you will send attacks out to, to those playing against you. And vice versa, people will be attacking you and you'll have to t- try to clear their garbage blocks. It's a lot of fun. I am not a Tetris person, and that game totally hooked me. Hmm. Okay. I will uh, write that down. You're not really looking to play more video games, and yet I'm sure <laughs> that I will. What is it? Tetris what? 99. Tetris 99. 99. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, I'd recommend any of those games I've listed. Mario Odyssey is fantastic. Zelda Breath of the Wild is great. Luigi's Mansion's really good. I know Animal Crossing is coming up in a couple months. So that what you can is be on Animal lookout. Crossing? Definitely so heard of that. It is... Uh, how do you describe it? Let me look. I don't know the exact genre. It is like a RPG. It's not an RPG. That's the wrong way to describe it. It is a role-playing game. It's a social simulation game. That's how. That's the genre that it's, that it's in. So hmm. you'll be like put on a farm and you build up resources you build like additions to your house you make friends you fish you hunt you do all kinds of things like that um hmm. and Making this is a this is hunting are two of my least favorite activities <laughs> well this isn't the game for you i'd, I'd steer away um <laughs> another game i would definitely suggest one that we got a lot of mileage out of on the switch was stardew valley that's also a social uh, role-playing yes. game I don't know if you if you played it, but it, it'll if you don't want to play games, then and you don't want to have your time sucked away, I would definitely advise avoiding this game because you will lose. I am all too familiar. And what do you think? Do you like it or or? I have never actually watched the game. I am deeply afraid of being hooked on something like this. 
but it's available on like every platform. So I don't know. <laughs> it is sort of tempting, but I, I do know myself like these kinds of games where you like build up something over a very long period of time. Very dangerous to me. Like, uh, I, so I never played Civ, but I played a game that is just like Civ called Imperialism that was for the Mac in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Man, I, oh, man, I spent infinite hours on that game, seemingly. And I, yeah, that just, it just strikes my brain in the right way, which is bad. So I'll probably stay away from Stardew Valley. Well, who knows? Maybe someday. Yeah. If you have a lot of time to kill, yeah. it's definitely one worth, worth taking a look at. But no, I, I'm in the same camp as you, like. Uh, my brain it just scratches like my brain in the right way i know i've wasted so many hours on civilization it's embarrassing <laughs> yeah i've never yeah. played Civ. Um, actually i've watched I, other people it's a good game i haven't played the newest one i have civ 5 um i did there was a steam sale recently for civ 6 for a very reasonable price and i just had to resist i was like i cannot buy this game because yes i won't exactly. be able to resist it yeah. <laughs> you have to know yourself. Yes. Yep, it's very true. I, yeah, so speaking of knowing yourself, this is just a whole different topic. But I I have been learning myself better over the last few months and even last few years of like knowing what sorts of foods will just break me. And unfortunately, my parents got me one of those foods for Christmas. They got me two full jars of Nutella. This is perhaps the single worst thing that could have happened to me in terms of <laughs> my, my health for 2020. And so I am just feeling terrible all the time, even though I've already finished the jars. The jars lasted me literally like a week and a half. Um, but the problem is that they just destroyed my, at that point, like pretty good diet regimen. And so now I just I just need to crack back down on what I buy. That's the only way. It's like I have to have fewer of these things in the house, and then slowly the habits will go away. But I can't ever be given Nutella. I know that. Yeah. No, I'm in the same. I don't. Nutella is not my weakness, but I'm in the same way where, I think for me it would probably be like a Reese's cup, or something like. If I have it once, if it's introduced back into my diet, yeah. it's my stupid monkey brain will be like it. It wants the sugar. It wants the added sugar, and I will begin to crave it, and I won't be able to resist, and it will de- it will derail me for weeks until I finally regain control. It's it's That's frustrating. Right. Yeah, you got to fight the oh, good fight. Absolutely. You just got to keep pushing. <laughs> you got to keep pushing and try to. Wow. And I'd also say, you know, don't beat yourself up too much. I guess if you when you trip back up, because it's likely you probably will. But you just have to keep trying to get back on the horse. It's tough. I know. Ah, oh, truly. So today, I actually I went to bar like um like bar three. Although it wasn't oh, yeah? bar three, but like B A R R E. Mm-hmm. Went to a bar class at work, and I mean I. In my life, there have been a lot of, like, brutal workouts where I've been like, this was the worst workout of my life. This was the least pleasant. But I will say this actually might have been the least pleasant <laughs> workout of my life because not only – so right now, like, I'm in, I'm in pretty good running shape. Um, I, I run a lot. I just did a 10K last Saturday. But that has, like, lulled me into this sense of being in good shape. And then bar is all the muscles that you just never knew you had. And so I learned about all these muscles in my calves, in the sides of my quads, in my glutes, in my back. And just I, – I just couldn't do anything. And, and the whole rest of the class is all women. And they are destroying me. Every single one of them is absolutely destroying me. And the teacher is just picking on me the whole time and is, like, walking over to me and, and like, <laughs> not quite yelling, but literally, like, t- over and over, not like that. Don't take rest. Stop that. Get up. <laughs> this happened 
over and over and over. And it was just like being abused for 45 minutes. Just terrible. Oh, my gosh. And so then I came home and ate like half a loaf of bread and peanut butter. So I totally offset all the work that I had just done. So really, it's, yeah, 2020, not (laughs) off to a great fitness and diet start. Although it is, I I set a yearly theme, and it is the year of of, uh, fitness and diet. But that year is not going so well. I got to ask, have you seen CPG Gray's most recent video on YouTube? So he brings up this concept. I'm actually not yes. a huge fan. Yeah. Okay. It's about themes, yeah. Yeah, so you're not a fan of what? him saying, like, you should have seasons or themes versus, like, years, a yearly, like, keeping it within a time constraint? What is your thought? Well, yeah, I I guess I should be more precise. So, actually, overall, I love the idea of themes. I've been in on themes for, like, a year now. Um, but I did quarterly themes, and they worked great. They were super helpful, and it, like having a theme instead of a a goal means that you can't miss and it also really helps you get back up when you make mistakes which i really like so it's like i had a terrible day for fitness and diet today but tomorrow it's still the year of fitness and diet so i'm gonna work on it what i don't love about that video is that i've been listening to gray talk about themes for a year and a half now and i used to like the way he talked about it better than he does than the way he does now um, because now he's all about having these like really vague high level themes that can mean whatever you need them to mean. And I strongly disagree with that. I think you need to think hard about what you actually care about and set a theme that means that no, no more specific than that, but no less either. And he is all about being less specific right now. So you set it, you set these like incredibly vague words, like the year of autonomy, and that's like, well, what, I don't know, what are you going to do in the year of autonomy? You need to like set a theme that has exactly to do with what you want to improve at or what you care about in your life. Uh, so I'm, I'm not a big fan of that. What did you think? I found the video, so I haven't been listening to Gray talk about this for so long. And I didn't know there's been this shift from more precise to less precise over time. So I didn't have any of that context. So I really just thought the video was pretty good. I was like, oh, this is helpful. I think people will find this helpful. I think this is a helpful way to think about setting goals, setting objectives for yourself, um, or striving to be become more like the person you want to be. Um, so, yeah, that's my takeaway. But I haven't acted upon any of it. Well, I don't have – yeah. I mean, I guess if I were in a season, it would be like the season of school, which is like awful. Like nobody wants – I mean that's not interesting, right? But it's what sucks. Yeah, but that's not time. the idea of themes. That's like a <laughs> I know, but it's like I don't feel like I could do right now. Yeah, it's true. Well, I'm not obligated, right? I could quit at any time. But <laughs> um, true. I guess the. I guess my point is like I don't have any extra energy or, or resources right now to even consider a theme. I mean, I guess I could apply a theme on top of it, but it's just going to get whatever the school requires is going to dictate to me what I got to do. If that makes sense. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but I I don't know if that's exactly the point of themes. Like I think themes are about like with whatever little bit of energy you have, like when you do make hard choices in your life, how, what is the the guiding principle of those choices? Okay. So even even yeah. when you're really busy, it's still like, well, like maybe this is the the quarter. I would do it by quarters when you start. Maybe this is the quarter of time management where it's like I'm going to think very carefully whenever I make decisions about what to commit to about like, do I want to do this? And how much time do I want to a lot? Like, I think your themes sort of like fit into whatever is happening in your life. Ideally. I see. No, that makes sense. I guess that's yeah. a better way to to think of it. 
I guess if you were to say like I, I can't have a theme because I'm too busy, like everybody would probably turn to that excuse and say yeah. like, I'm too busy. So also, yeah, then that kind of is your theme. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, la- so last year I, I haven't talked about this on the podcast. I don't think, but last year I started in the first quarter. Uh, so like beginning of 2019, I started themes and the first quarter was the quarter of, uh, fitness, meditation and anti-crastination. And so it was exactly that. It was like working out a lot, um, meditating and not procrastinating. And then I quickly realized, well, first I quickly realized that I hate meditation. I don't find it useful at all. So I ditched that one. And then I realized that even two themes was too much and I needed to narrow it. So then it became the year or the quarter of fitness and diet. And then the next quarter was also fitness and diet because I hadn't improved as much as I wanted. And then the fourth quarter, I actually got sidetracked and never set a theme. So that was just terrible work by me. And now 2020, I realized I just haven't made enough improvement in the area I care about, which is probably the most important to my the rest of my life which is fitness and diet. And so it's going to be the year of fitness and diet. Like I need to so say you're already committing my whole, to all the quarters. All I am already quarters. committing. Yeah. Okay. Yep. My, well, my whole idea with themes, and I think gray has mentioned this, but I, this is the part about themes that I feel most strongly about is that you keep the theme until you've made sustainable changes. So it's really easy to like do something and be like, I have improved. But the problem is that then when you focus on something new, you relapse. It's important yeah. that you make changes so strong that you won't lose them. And I'm nowhere near that. So I think that, that I sense. need at least a year for that. I need to keep focusing. And eventually it needs to like change my life in ways that are like the food that I buy and how comfortable I am ordering a salad at a restaurant instead of a hamburger. It's got to like hit my habits, my long-term habits. No, that's, so that's a really good point. Yeah. No, that's a really good point as I reflect on my own like experience with health and fitness, because I've definitely been down that path of like making substantial progress. And then when I take my focus off of it, relapse, not in a big way, right? It's not overnight, but it's slowly over time, regress back to where I once was. And then, you know, obviously being frustrated right, with this, with that progress, like with that outcome, it's not what you want. Yeah. So, but that definitely sets the bar quite high. It sets the bar almost, I would think, in, at times, impossibly high. I'm not sure. Maybe. Yeah. I have to. I need to do some more thinking about this. I think you can but make yeah. some. I think you can make some long term changes, but it does require a huge time commitment that is different right. from other goals. It's not just like I've changed my life. It's like I have altered the way my brain is accustomed to living my life. That's true. Yeah, where like the example that Greg gives in the video, one of the examples was the quarter of newness or was maybe like the year of new. I don't remember what he said, but it was this where when he was he didn't do anything different, he said in his life. But when he was presented with choices, he would always go for the more novel choice for him Uh where, you know, I don't think he's having I don't think he's made long term change out of that quarter, but he's enriched his life some. So. I guess it just depends that's true. on your objective. That's a reasonable thing to do, too. Yeah, personally, I I feel very strongly that my highest priorities are, like, long-term improvements of myself. But I could see that other things could be important, too. Yeah. Well, interesting tangent. Yeah. This wasn't right, on the show notes jump at into, all. <laughs> no, but I, I do have uh, Ethan's implicit 2020 resolution on the show notes. 
Ah, oh, that so, is true. This is, of course, not an actual resolution, but it is a way that I. It is a direction I've been pushing myself for some time, and it isn't nearly important enough to be a theme. But it is just a thing that I I am changing in 2020, and it hasn't been too hard. I'm just buying apps. I alluded to this earlier. It's like, it's time to spend money on apps. I've bought every app that I've seriously thought about this year where I've been like, there's a decent case that I should be using this. In fact, since last November, that's been true. And in total, I have spent, I think, under $100 over like, what, four months and these are things that I now have, most of them are either one-time purchases, so I have them for years now, or they're a yearly subscription. So it's like, these things are not, they're just not expensive. And they've actually been a huge improvement in the quality of my life. So I'll just read off a couple that have been great. Um, Jimaholic. So that was recommended to me by one of my college friends. And I was kind of skeptical because I've never found a gym app I liked. And frankly, this one still has some some significant flaws, but it's really good for just tracking the the weight and the reps and the sets you do uh especially because it will ping your watch when 60 seconds is up between reps or you can change that amount of time or between sets rather uh and that i really like because i am really inconsistent in the amount of time i take between sets but i should take the same amount every time and i hate timing myself i hate having to pick up my phone and hit a button and then keep an eye on it until it gets to 60 seconds that's just tedious and it makes me dread working out even more than i already do so that has improved things and it also gives me a longitudinal view into how much i've done instead of having to like read through a journal so big thumbs up um reader so this is probably the only one that hasn't been that useful but it was only five dollars and i don't regret buying it this is an rss subscriber basically okay um and it's a bit nicer than the one i was using which is feedly i just still haven't bothered to migrate all my old sources over but it is nice and it's been good i do a fair amount of reading in there um carrot weather so this is just it just nailed weather apps i i've never found weather apps to be all that remarkable but it's so good. It's just really, really, really good. And actually, I think I have the free version. And if I pay for a small upgrade, I get automatic updates on my Apple Watch. So right now, if I want the the current weather to update on the watch, I need to like click the widget and open the app and then close it again. I think if I pay more, then I get that to auto-update. But it's so, 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 so much better than AccuWeather and the default Apple app. It shows exactly the information I want on my watch screen. It has a way more intuitive display on the phone. It's just really, really nice. Right. I wanted to ask, like, what sets this weather app apart? I use Dark Skies, which I know many people have used. It's been around for a while, and I'm just curious if you know, like, what feature makes this carrot weather stand out from something like dark skies uh it is a little tricky to explain but i will say just the way that it shows the temperature and the precipitation on the man i said precipitation weird the precipitation on the screen is just really nice it's just way faster to read than other things that i've seen um i i don't know it would be worth looking at a screenshot of this app but it shows so much information on the screen and I see it all so fast and it has the display I want on the Apple watch, which I would pay for alone. I, I eventually settled on AccuWeather as the weather app I used before because it had a better display on the Apple watch. It would show me the real feel, which was the most important thing. But right now on my Apple watch screen, it has a small picture that's either clouds, rain, 
uh, snow or sun to show like what's the condition in general. And then it says feels like 26 degrees, high today, 37, low 27, foggy tonight. All that information just in like one small part of my watch face. And that is everything I wanted. So, so, so good. Interesting. Yeah, I'm comparing that to my watch face now. I have dark sky and it's, you can set it to be one of the circular widgets, like off in a corner if you're oh, using yeah. the modular. And when you do that, it is simply how it feels outside, the real feel. And it has a circle, it has like a, a semicircle around it, which will be the a color of the of what it feels like outside. So when it's it, for, when it's cold, it'll be blue, and when it's warmer, it'll turn yellow and then red, which but then if I let it be like the middle section with with which is like a larger part of the screen. Yeah, that's what it I has a, use. Okay. So it has like a little cloud and it says it's thirty two degrees overcast. It says the high is thirty seven, the low is twenty seven, and then it says the sunrise, when the sun is gonna rise tomorrow. Uh, that's all pretty good. That's pretty much the same as mine. Yeah. That I mean I would accept that as well. I don't know what dark sky looks like as an app when you actually use it on the phone, but it probably yes. would work for me too. That's true. Well, I don't think it actually has like a great app interface on the phone. It's acceptable. It's passable. What's I guess the killer feature of Dark Sky is it's really good at predicting when it's going to rain. And it will tell you, hey, it's about to rain in 10 minutes where you are. Yeah, I think you have to pay more to get automatic alerts from Carrot Weather. You can gotcha. you can like look at it in the app, but I don't think you get alerts unless you pay. But to okay. be honest, that's very low priority for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, okay, so last two, saving the best two for last. Um, Paprika. This is the app I was trying to get my mother to download. This is a recipes and grocery list app, and this app is fantastic. It's so good. It's just like, I don't know, sometimes I think, man, I wish this app had X feature. And then I click around, and I'm like, oh, it's already here. <laughs> Almost every time that I think I need it, it's already in there. So it lets you scrape recipes from the internet. So right there, great value proposition. You find this incredibly boring story about how someone's grandma used to harvest sweet potatoes from their backyard yep, and yep. skin them <laughs> over the fire and tell stories to her grandchildren. And then uh, you can skip all that and just press download. And this thing has some kind of natural language processing where it pulls out the ingredients, the directions, the prep time, and then if there's nutrition facts, it even pulls those out and a picture and puts all of it into a standard interface. And on the phone, the screen just isn't big enough to show all that in an elegant way. But on the iPad, if you set up your iPad in uh, landscape, it is just perfection. It is so nice. It shows the ingredients on the left, it shows the directions in the middle, the picture on the top. And it's just like everything you want. Um, but not only that. But there's a small button on each recipe, if you click on it, that says add all ingredients to cart. And, of course, this app also has a grocery list. And so then it adds all the ingredients to cart, but it doesn't just add them blindly because, of course, you probably have some in your cabinets. It says, are there any you don't want to add? And then you uncheck a couple and then hit add and all the remaining ones go. Man, that's good. Miraculous. Miraculous. That's really good. Yeah, that's really good, actually. That's it's really just, good. oh, man. And if you want, like, if you're really diligent, you can track what's in your pantry in a separate screen. So then it'll be able to tell you, like, you already have these things when you start to make a recipe. Oh. Um, I don't so use do you... that because I find it awkward to track that I have, like, two-thirds a jar of tahini left or something. But 
man, it's it's just killer app. It's so good. Wow. So do you have only the iOS version or did you get both the iOS and the, and the Mac version? I bought the Mac version, but I haven't used it. It was one of those okay. things where this is so good, I have to have all versions, but it's not clear to me that I'm actually going to use the Mac version. <laughs> okay. But it does but sync then- flawlessly, which is not always a guarantee with these things. They're always yeah. all in sync. Okay. That's really interesting. I'll have to check this out because we've been looking for something similar to like this may fill the needs that we've been looking for in terms of our tracking both recipes and grocery list. That sounds like really yeah. exactly what we're looking for. So I didn't Very believe cool. that something so good existed. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder right. too if I were to yeah. I mean I have not looked at the app recipe space, so I maybe need to do a survey. But your recommendation yeah. is a strong that's that's this strong, was recommended so. to me once before, and then I read about it on the website, and that sold me. But there, there may be others. I don't know. If you find one, let me know. This one is is five bucks, I think, for both the iPad and iPhone together. Pretty yep. sure. But I never use the iPhone. Well, I only use the iPhone one to add ingredients to my list, I guess. But yeah, All you're right. right. Five bucks for both. Okay. Um, best the best app for last. Also the most expensive, sadly. But man, Fantastical. It is truly fantastical. It is so good. So <laughs> this app is called Fantastic Cal because it is a calendaring app. And basically it is just an extremely Mac or iOS-like interface. So it's, it just feels super native. It feels like a better version of the calendar apps that come on your phone and on your Mac. Really nice. But it has multiple panels and multiple views so you can look at your days as like a list of events on the days or as a month view or as a week view and actually you can look at these things side by side on the mac and the ipad sort of hard to explain the headline feature is that you can enter events by just pressing new event and typing whatever you want and so i would say podcast with greg at uh 7 two hours uh, and then I, I put a slash and then I can write what calendar it goes on. So then I write like slash podcasting and then it goes in my podcasting calendar. So it just from typing this long string, it just moves everything in the right place. So especially for somebody probably like both of us, who's a very fast typist because you type every day at your job. Um, instead of having to fiddle around with all these little tickers and buttons and stuff you just do it all at once type it all in once and it is really good at picking things up i have like some tiny gripes like 1.5 hours doesn't register it needs to be like one hour or 90 minutes or something but other than really small things like that and once you get used to the quirks the natural language stuff is so good um and also yeah the interface is just really nice and really elegant it looks really good on all the platforms it's it's excellent but they just switched to a subscription model. Yeah. It used to be a one-time purchase, and I forget how much it was, but I bought it on all three platforms. And then, unfortunately, just like three months after that happened, they switched to a uh, $30 a year subscription, I think. Yes. So uh, how did that affect you after you purchased it? Do you still have the purchase? Do you still have to resubscribe? Or? So they added new features. So I could have kept all the features that I had before without paying anything else. But they added new stuff, and I really wanted the new stuff, and I'm I'm soft. I gave in, and I paid. <laughs> but it's you. so, man, it's so good. I'm so pleased with it. And now there's more syncing across all the devices. Oh, okay. and one other thing, which is just too good to pass up. It has what's called calendar sets. So if you use most calendaring applications, you can toggle on each calendar. Do you want your work calendar on and off? Do you want your uh, chores calendar? Do you want your social calendar on and off? Well, 
calendar sets are a different concept where you have only a few sets of calendars you can turn on and off. So I have one set that is all of my personal calendars. So that's like generally like what hours am I going to be at work? What's my social life? What's my chores? Um, what's my workouts? And then I have a whole other calendar set that is just for all my work calendars. So like I actually hooked into my Outlook for my job. Then I have another calendar set that's just for reminders. And then I have another calendar set that's just for when I'll be traveling somewhere. And with keyboard shortcuts, you can switch between these sets of calendars and only see one at a time. So I never want to see my work calendar when I'm at home. But I want the ability to manage my work calendar from Fantastical. But I don't want to have to manually toggle on and off all these different things. It's just, right. man, it has just, uh, I, it has me enamored. It's too good. Yeah, I had to, I have to follow up and ask, how does it integrate with Outlook or Gmail? When you enter an event in Fantastical, can you tell it to push that to Outlook so yes. that if you, okay. That's partly why it's so good. So I've actually stopped, and I stopped this a long time ago, keeping my calendars in Apple Calendar because that's a black box you can never get at. So I, even when I used Apple Calendar, I would actually hook it into my Gmail calendar so that I could get to it from other applications and I could download the data if I ever wanted to. So now I have Fantastical connected to my Gmail cal- calendar and my Outlook calendar and my Todoist. Uh, it has all these integrations. Oh. Yeah. It's very, very good. When you make an Outlook event, or if you make one that's for your work calendar, there, there are is there limitations? Like you don't get the full feature. You're not going to be able to look up like the directory or things like that. Yeah, so I've been experimenting with that recently. I was okay. wondering. So I could manually type in the email address of the person. I haven't tried it yet, but I think that the invite would get to them. But because you don't have the directory, you don't get autocomplete. So right. you can't be like gr and get greg.more. Um so that, that is a little annoying. But what I've been doing is I still make the events in Fantastical. And then if I need to invite people, I hop back over to Outlook and do it there. Because I will gotcha. say, desktop Outlook is is garbage. It's so bad. You can't copy an good. event with Command-C and paste it somewhere. So you can't have multiple versions of an event. It's just so bad. And so I make everything on Fantastical. I mean, I only got this a week ago. So I've been really figuring out my workflow. But I think I will make everything on Fantastical. And if I need to invite people, hop back to Outlook later. Okay. And so, but Fantastical can be its own independent calendar, right? You don't have to attach it to Outlook or Gmail or some other system. It could, it can live independently. So not really, which is kind of why I like it. It has no calendar backend of its own. By default, it uses your Apple calendars. Basically, it looks to see what calendars you have connected to your Apple calendar. So like whatever accounts you have connected to your Mac or your iPad or your iPhone or what become your Apple Calendar, right? By default, it's just your iCloud account. But you could also set up a Gmail account in there too and only use those calendars. That's what I did for a long time. And when you get Fantastical on a platform, it seems to have a hook into what calendars are actually connected to your Apple Calendar, and it pulls those in as well. It matches exactly whatever your Apple Calendar looks like. Okay, but if you, so if you wanted to add a new calendar, you would have to do so through your Apple Calendar, and then that would yeah, be replicated I think that's to- right. Fantastical. Okay, that's interesting. I haven't tried. Yeah. Because, I, again, I do it through my Gmail, so I would actually log into Google Calendar and add another calendar in there. Right. Okay. I okay. think you have to kind of have your life together before you make that jump. You have to say, like, what are my calendars going to be? See, I'm not even there yet. The I'm not I've even lived. there yet. I got to I gotta figure this out. Oh, yeah. see, this is a great conversation topic. What, what general categories can you divide your life into? I have settled <laughs> on some, but I'm interested what you think. 
Well, I mean, I probably do something that's going to drive you nuts, but the primary calendar I use is just the our, the work outlook calendar. It's like the only one I have. That's like my, and I will just. Oh, throw you don't a have personal... a personal calendar? No, I don't. Oh I don't. man, I am obsessive. I will say that is one thing that and Todoist I am just obsessive about. Yeah. So I mean, I love Todoist, and I but I've just never. I've just never had a personal calendar that I've kept for whatever That's reason. That's wild to me. I think that is probably the most indispensable thing for me, more than to, more than like task tracking. I think I've I've been diligent about a calendar for many years. That's See, crazy. Not, I haven't been so like it was actually a bit of an adjustment too. Like when I went into corporate workforce, it's like okay, you have to use your calendar. This is how we communicate with one yeah. another, which I understood, but was a bit of adjusting for me. I don't um, think I could handle my own life without a calendar. Like work is where I need it the least, honestly. It's just like knowing, I don't know, when will I be going somewhere? Who? who I guess do I, I just don't do that much. <laughs> um, I guess I just don't do that much. I'm just a bit of a homebody. I'm not sure. But I mean, like I used to do this and I had other tracking systems in the past. So if I have things like when an assignments are due or when I need to complete some task, like it's in there in some calendar form kind of, right? I attach dates to these things. So it's like a semi, it kind of acts as like a pseudo calendar, but I mean, yeah, but I, I mean, I'm interested in, in potentially develop, developing like a personal calendar system. It is interesting though. Cause you always send me invites and everything. And I'm like, yeah, okay. well, otherwise I, <laughs> I, my evening wouldn't be blocked out and I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't, I would never go to an event that isn't on my calendar. That could never happen. I somehow made it here without this being on my calendar. That's I can't believe remarkable. it. I mean, I even, I will say every day I block out nine to five for work on my personal calendar to know. Why, that Why is that even necessary? Why is that necessary? Well, because you some know. days I don't have work. No, it's, it's very important because oh, okay. some days I don't have work and I need to know that. And then also some days people put a meeting on my calendar for eight 30 or I have something that's, that's starting right at nine. And then I actually adjust the start time for work. I'm like, I need to get to work at eight 50 this day. And then I get a reminder of when I need to leave for work. And that like jolts me out of my reverie drinking coffee in my introvert den. And that's, I don't know. That to me is just like, would be hard to live without. I will say, I I think you would really thrive on a calendar. You seem like a person who would, it really surprises me. You don't use one. I do use, I mean, I rely pretty heavily on the work, the work calendar. I just don't have a personal one set up. Like I, I have never thought of putting in a nine to five block on a personal calendar though. What the situation you described makes sense. The thing that I do though, I mean, I guess to get around that is like, I just check my calendar on my phone, my work calendar from my phone the night before. And I'm like, what do I have yeah. on tab for tomorrow? I do some of that too. Yeah. But I, yeah, I don't know. There's just other things. It's like, I'm just looking at my personal calendar right now. It's like, it's not even that full, but I would forget too many of these things. I would forget doctor appointments and that's yeah, fair. No way. I mean, I guess the doctor's appointments just get put on the work calendar. They're yeah, probably that's, during work. They're, pro- <laughs> they're probably during working hours uh, most times. Like right? those are yeah, just work, working hours and doctor's office hours match up. So I don't. Yeah, that's yeah, probably man. what would happen is they would just go on the working calendar. I don't know. I also <laughs> find it really cathartic to block out time for things that don't need to be blocked. So I've I've started a routine recently where instead of working out before work, I go to a coffee shop for an hour or an hour and a half. And by blocking that out on my calendar, it kind of does, you know, give me a kick to get there in the mornings. I like wake up and it's like, no, like this is my time to be at a coffee shop having like creative time. I need to get there and I need to sit there and do stuff. And I really like it. It's just really helpful to have the event on my calendar. It helps me get there. 
Okay. I mean, I, I can see that being useful. So what do you recommend for a, a calendar novice? Yeah. Where where do I even start? Do I Is it Gmail? Is Gmail the best platform for calendaring? Like, I, I guess with this fantastic cow layer on top of it? Yeah, I think it really doesn't doesn't much matter what backend you use. Um, but a Google Calendar is perfectly good. Whatever account you think people would send you an email to, that's what really okay. matters. Because eventually, if somebody sends you an email invite, it's got to get there. But I would set up that calendar and then make one calendar in there called, like, uncategorized. And then for a while, just connect that calendar account to Fantastical or whatever you're going to use, even Apple Calendar, and put things in there. And over time, trends will emerge, and you'll say, like, oh, I need a separate calendar for social events, or I need a separate calendar for chores, and then make a new calendar. And then you start moving some events to that. And then also you get these really nice color-coded weeks based on that. Interesting. So you block, you actually block time out to perform chores on your calendar, uh yeah and they're not they're not like wildly frequent like i wouldn't do that for laundry but there are certain things that i consider chores that need to get on the calendar so i'm trying to think even of an example of that they were like really frequent when i moved apartments actually i had a bunch of things where it was like you need to pack now you need to drive some things over to the new apartment you need to set this up um some things are more time sensitive than others but i do block those out when they're like important and somewhat urgent Okay. See, yeah, I just sort of use Todoist as my pseudo calendar for these things because I have recurring chores that I want to complete on a regular cadence. But, excuse me, I just have it ping me on the yeah. day. And it's but like. Todoist is better at that. I will say, yeah, chores is a bad example. That's not, not a great one. But, like, other things. So, for me, my calendars are uncategorized. So, that's just like no obvious place for this. That's what this podcast is under right now. Um, I hope one day we get promoted to its own calendar. Yeah, someday. That could happen. That definitely could. Um, That's when we know we made it. That's when we know we made it. (laughs) We've had enough episodes (laughs) to get a calendar. I don't know. Definitely possible. Um, But then uh, I have another one called 8451. And so that is specifically like work days. But also occasionally I will have a work event that isn't during normal work hours. So if I go recruiting at a college, for example, or if we have like a company Christmas party, something like that. Um, all goes under that, um, chores, which I said, I don't use that much and then freelancing. So I like teach classes at UC. So that all goes there. And I used to do some freelance consulting. So that all went under that calendar and it's good. That one's an orange because it's like an alert. Like you need to pay attention because this is very important. You cannot mess these ones up. Um, then I have a social calendar and that is just social events, but I also block out social events that would just be good to know about that abhishek is doing at our apartment so abhishek is my roommate um and it's nice because i have abhishek's movie club marked down this saturday i have it marked as free so it doesn't overlap with my stuff but it's good to know that i won't have the living room for like four hours that day yeah um and then i have (laughs) (laughs) then i have a, a travel calendar which i use very little but it's nice because then i can turn off all the other calendars and just see like when am i going to be traveling or when did i travel last year i like that sense of like when was i not at home and last i have workout and sports um which is nice because i mark down like when do i definitely need to go to this class or when am i going to play basketball or play soccer or something yeah so that's my setup but i would definitely advise starting small don't don't make all the calendars till you need them okay well, I think you've convinced me that I should definitely entertain the idea of getting a calendar. <laughs> <laughs> I just softened my language okay. there. 
I have to entertain. I'll entertain the idea of, of setting up some a personal. What a great follow up that will be. Yeah, yes. this will be a great follow up. So, okay, well, very cool. Yeah, I'm looking at the Fantastic Cal site right now. They got like a laundry list of features here, things that they can do. So I read I'll like a 45 minute article yesterday reviewing all of the stuff on uh, Mac Stories. Really, really good. Mm. Well, cool. Um, okay, maybe we could do like one or two more things, then call yeah. it a day. Yeah, that sounds like a plan. You pick. You pick. Then I pick, and then we'll be done. Okay. I can very briefly talk about my 2020 hardware plans. Okay. So as as we speak, an important new piece of hardware was delivered to my apartment, and I look very much forward to picking it up off my front porch. I ordered this item this morning when I learned of its product category that I didn't even know existed. So not only did I benefit from a novel new item, but I also benefited from the wonders of one-day Amazon shipping. Have you ever heard of a foldable keyboard? Foldable keyboard? Yeah. No, I've not heard of this. So this is a a full size or nearly full size 10 keyless, so no no number mm-hmm. pad keyboard that has two uh ridges in it. So it folds up in thirds into a small square that you can carry with you in theory in your back pocket. Wow. I'm highly was, skeptical. I was blown away. <laughs> I did not believe that this could be feasible. But in fact, it's a whole product category. There's a bunch of them. I read so many reviews this morning of them. Oh my goodness. I've and never heard of this. One, yeah, one in particular is just really, really highly rated. And for me, I've been quite displeased the last couple months because my, um, what is the name of the case that Apple sells for the iPad? My my iPad case that has a keyboard in it. It's like a a keyboard folio the folio yeah. yeah yeah i think this is the generation before it was called the folio it might just be called like the smart keyboard um but it doesn't work it works maybe like one in 20 times that i connected like so infrequently it's totally useless so now it's just a case and i do need a hardware keyboard for the ipad but also i was like this thing could last me for a long time like i could just leave this in my backpack it weighs 0.9 pounds this is this wow. is the future I'm so excited for this. So excited. It has an escape key. You can only do it by like function escape. But even so, I was like, I could maybe use Vim. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm very excited. That's the the big new thing that I'm getting today. Well, I eagerly await hearing more about this. I I have to say I am skeptical. I'm curious, like, after how how many folds, right? How many folds can this thing endure? Yeah. And are the keys actually clicky or like, you know, does it give you the right response? Does it feel nice to type on? I, I have so many questions. I'm very excited. Very excited. It can also pair to, to three devices, which is one of the great things about the Logitech, Logitech keyboards I've had. So I imagine pairing this to my iPad and my phone. But eventually, I don't know, like uh, any computer I have, I could pair it with. Or if I get the the next new iPad. Which yeah. brings me to another hardware item. I, I've been just dying to get the new iPad Pro, the one that came out in, was it end of 2018? The fancy new USB-C iPad? I think so. That was 2019, right? Or 2018? I, th- I, I thought know. it was the end of 2018, but I might I be don't wrong. know. But I, I've just been dying to get that one for so long. Um, and I just, I want them to update it so because I hate buying things at the end of the cycle. The same problem you just described. I hate that. I just want even a small update and I will buy it so fast. Yes. But you're going to be waiting. You're going to, you're going to wait. You're going to wait longer than you think you're going to, you're going to need to wait. That's how it works with Apple. It is killing me. Yes. Yes. 
Well, I would buckle up. Well, I don't know. I guess maybe they have a spring a spring announcement coming. Yeah. In a, maybe in a few. It weeks seems like over. they might come out in late spring, but it's unclear. Yeah. Well, you got to cross your fingers and just hope that they chose to update the iPad and then whenever I guess April I or May. I know. So <laughs> anyway, those are the two big things. Pro- probably, I'd say like a seventy percent chance of a new phone in September, but we'll see. Okay. Uh, That's it pretty. Depends on what it is. That's exciting, though. I'm excited to hear about the keyboard. The possibility of a new iPad, that's always great, right? Well, there is one other technology change I have not mentioned yet, and it is that I am slowly, slowly trying to shift more of my workflow into Linux. And so I am speaking to you from Ubuntu right now. Wow. I had no idea. I thought you were on Mac. I am running. I know. I'm running Skype. I was so impressed by Skype when it offered a .deb download for the Debian distros very cool um but i realized i don't know so i i have this just like power uh, like workhorse um desktop at home that runs windows and linux and mainly i've built it for my own learnings and it's been great and just recently i put in something called a raid array which is a a set of hard drives which is a really fun project and i learned which raid raid zero raid one it's raid one yeah gotcha so it's two four terabyte drives, which means I, I get one level of redundancy and a total of four terabytes of disk space. Um, but it's just like this this thing has uh, a very powerful processor and a very powerful GPU. And I could expand the RAM if I ever feel like it. And I was like, this is my future-proof machine. Like, I should be doing more work on this thing. And also, as much as I like a lot of the things in the Apple ecosystem, I need to make sure I am not terribly tied into it. And so this forces me to find ways to use things that aren't Apple stuff. And so I can still use one of the great things with the Google calendars. I'm still using the same calendars, just not through Fantastical. So I have a different application here that I use. Um, Audacity runs fine. Skype runs fine. Uh, Firefox runs quite well. And I can yeah. get Google Docs. So really everything is pretty much okay. Weirdly, this is the last thing I would ever have thought I'd say. I would ever have thought I'd say. But um, the worst application I use regularly on this computer is the terminal. The terminal emulator is terrible. It's so no, bad. It I can't good. figure out why. You're right. Yeah. You have to you have to you got to you got to get a second or uh I guess yeah, you second party terminal and that's what you'll have to I get. have I, mean, I have a third party terminal. Oh, it's called a uh, yeah. ter- terminator. Yep, it's just yep. I don't know, it's just not very good. Maybe I haven't figured it out, but it's not too good. I don't think I use terminator. What did I what do I use? Um I think iterm 2 works there too in Linux. Oh, it works on Linux? Interesting. I thought so. Anyways, but no, I think the state of Linux is really strong, um, especially when you look back where it was 10 years ago. They'll have a lot of mainstream applications that have primary support like Skype, which is awesome. I know you can game on Linux now. Streams made uh, Steam has made huge strides in making that yeah. a reality. But I think most actual games aren't supported on. Linux yeah, they're not a ton, but it's getting. Exactly. I mean, it's more than it ever what I ever would have thought it would it would get to. It's um, so what so what work are you doing through through Ubuntu? Well, I'm trying to do even like casual stuff here, and that's not. I don't do that a ton, but I'm trying to do more of it. Um, but definitely like a fair amount of my coding stuff I do here. So if I do personal projects, I try to do it on here. I kind of hop Which, back and forth. Do you use, are you using Vim as your ID or, or Retina and ID, but your, your editor? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. I think there is VS code for Linux, but I yes, will say, there I just, is. There is. yeah, I repeatedly 
try to use an IDE, and I'm just like, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, and I go back to Vim. We'll have to talk about this next episode, but I'm like, started, you know that months ago I started off like strongly pushing towards Vim, but I have felt myself go back to VS Code as like my primary editor. Yeah, that's where where I'm doing a lot of I mean, you and almost everybody, yeah. It's really good, man. It just pulls you back in. And part of the problem with Vim, I guess, is... Well, like, the primary place I use a lot of Vim is on shared servers. And at that point, I don't have control anymore. So there's, like, limitations. And, I, I get, and I've also heard of it interesting... And it's, I mean, I think it's completely valid, but... The Vim, Vim that I like to use uses a lot of um, plugins. Yeah. Right? We customize it. But then you've just defeated the purpose. You've sort of defeated yeah. the purpose. So I don't know I don't, if I agree that you've totally defeated the purpose, but somewhat, yeah. And that's one reason I try to stay light on the plugins. I hardly have any. I think I have like two that I really depend on. What are they? Like what do they do for um, you? I think the one is called like Syntastic. Um and frankly I don't actually know what it does, but I have it working on most of my machines. But it may not be doing anything useful and I could probably toss it. I've gotten to the point that I I know Vim well enough that I can actually add the files that I'm missing. So the only thing that I can't add myself is the color scheme because that's like a really, really long config file. But I, I can go in there and like set up all the indents and stuff in the VimRC in like five minutes. And so I always go in, I'm like JavaScript and HTML, I want uh, soft tabs that are two spaces. And for Python, I want four spaces. And I set up a bunch of little stuff like that every time I start somewhere new. I see. Yeah, I guess that's where I'd have to get to is like... A- config files or something that i could just import i mean you can toss your plugins in the vimrc and then just redownload yeah. them on new computers it's not too bad yeah oh the plugins do take up a ton of disk space i they found do. that it's like a gig of junk in there it's yeah. a ton it's a ton yeah anyways don't want to tangent too far there yeah, but yeah yeah what do you want to do for our last topic do one quick one let me see i want to know your your Netflix situation here. This one struck me. So you have canceled Netflix. The Swan family. Well, the Swan family <laughs> has canceled Netflix. I am I am but a a descendant of the Swan family. I see. So this this was an inheritance from, yeah. from your parents. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a negative inheritance. <laughs> I see. So yeah, my parents have always been the ones that that own the Netflix account and I've just hopped on since college. And I'm in no position to complain since I've never paid for it. But they finally decided to cancel it. I will say it's very funny to listen to my parents' reasons for canceling Netflix because they complained about something that I literally have never even encountered on Netflix. And they said all of the movies are foreign and have subtitles. I don't think I've even found a foreign movie (laughs) on Netflix. But it must be something about the content they're watching that leads them to these recommendations. Um, I mean, Netflix, you really missed on the recs. But the other thing is... Netflix just doesn't have very good movies. Like, I do think most people don't really watch Netflix for the movies. It's mostly TV. And they're not nearly as big TV people. So maybe it doesn't fit them. But I will say it was... Yeah, it was was just so strange. Um, But I was about halfway through the three seasons of Stranger Things and had just kind of stalled out. And so I I don't really care that I haven't finished it. Maybe someday I will. Um, But the, the second season of my... Probably my absolute favorite show just came out, Sex Education, and it 
oh, I, it's so sad. I've not been able to watch it. All my friends have been talking about it. I had two other friends who I've never talked about it with um, talking to me at, uh, I think, breakfast a couple weeks ago. And they were like, okay, listen, there's this show. It's, it sounds a little racy, but it's oh, it's so good. You have to watch it. I was like, oh, Sex Education. I've seen it. It's the best. <laughs> yeah. It's so funny so, to hear you mention uh, this because I also have a group. I have friends who have watched Sex Education, They both, and they rave about it. They go on and on about how great it is. So I It really might be out. the best show ever. Man, I gotta it's check so it out. Man. If if its portfolio weren't so limited for the first season because it's only eight or ten episodes, it, it probably would pretty clearly be my favorite show. Yeah. Yeah. Excellent, excellent show. So I look forward to someday reactivating Netflix. But in general, I haven't really had any trouble. That's the only one that's been disappointing. I have had no cravings whatsoever for Netflix. Although Netflix has never really pressed my buttons that way. It's more like I'll get hooked on a show once I start, but I don't really have a great desire to watch TV most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I mean, my, one of my follow-up questions is like, what's taken Netflix place and doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like you've replaced it like it, or you even needed to. Yeah, not really. I've been a little more diligent about reading. Actually, this is a weird life hack, but I added a section to my website of books I've read and what I'm currently reading. And it is kind of keeping me accountable to keep reading because I have to not leave that static (laughs) for two months. Yeah. So I've actually read quite a bit so far in 2020. And that's definitely good. Yeah, that's great. How about you? Are you watching TV? Yeah. Yeah, of course. (laughs) No. um... Anything good? Uh, we have, well, we've talked about canceling Netflix before it's come up semi-regularly, but there's always something or some show that keeps us hooked. So we haven't oh, yet got you. I think I maybe canceled it one time for like a few months, but then we reactivated. Um, I think the thing that's got me hooked right now on, on Netflix is I started, uh, the Ken Burns documentary, the civil war. Yeah. Which has been really interesting. Yeah, I don't. I didn't think it would be up your alley. <laughs> no. Well, I think your chief complaint of it would be that they spend too much time on war set on battle segments, and I think that's oh, actually yeah. my biggest critique of it too. Is there are parts of episodes that just spend too long detailing battles, which I find a little more interesting than I think you do. But even still, they go on a little too long. Um, but it's been interesting. I've learned a lot. I didn't. There's just been there was a lot I was unaware of about the Civil War, so I'm I'm glad I'm watching it now. And then beyond that, like the other show that I'm watching is Thirty Rock. Yeah, on, I'm watching it. You've seen that before, though, right? I haven't seen it all the way. Th- I had seen a lot of oh. it, but I've never watched it beginning to end. We're we're getting close though. I think we're in the second to last season, like halfway through the second to last season. So mm. I should be finishing that up probably in over the next few weeks and then i will be able to say i've watched all of 30 rock that's so nice to be able to say that yeah yes it's very nice and this show is it is really good i mean it's really quirky and goofy at first and i can see people maybe not getting hooked on it but once you do the characters you just grow to love them and they're just hilarious yeah i liked 30 rock it's probably of the shows i finished it's kind of near the bottom of my favorite comedies but the fact that i finished it is high praise it's probably like my sixth favorite comedy ish, I would guess. I just I felt it dragged a bit near the end, but I did. I think like Liz Lemon and whoever Alec Baldwin plays, he plays those two Jack, characters are very Jack good. Donaghy. Oh yeah, Jack Donaghy. Yeah, they're great. Pastels I'm a big are fan for of kids at Easter. 
They're so they're great. I really do like this character, and I really like Tracy Morgan's character, like Tracy Morgan the character. Uh, it's really, yeah. he's really really funny too. Big fan. And Kenneth, oh, yeah, Kenneth's great. Oh, Kenneth is in everything now. I feel like he's in so many shows now. He just came out of Thirty Rock to be everything. And he's he's it's well deserved. He's very good in that show. I really like his yeah. character. Yeah, he is really good. All right. Anything else or are we wrapping up for the day? I think that wraps us up. This has been fun. We shouldn't go so long in between episodes next time. I know, but it does give us a lot of content. That is true. That is true. Well, till next time.